Welcome to Leading the Next Generation with Tim Elmore. I am your co-host, Andrew McPeak, and our mission here at Growing Leaders is to empower the emerging generations with skills to lead in real life. And Tim, today I'm excited about this conversation because we're going to get a little meta, right? Mm -hmm. Why did we get into, like for instance, that mission I just quoted, why is that our mission? And it all kind of comes down to why you started Growing Leaders in the first place. So I'm really excited about this conversation. I am too. Well, you know, Andrew, you and I both began our careers working with young people, Yes. but mine's been uh, more and more laser focused as I get older. So Mm -hmm. I began, you know, teaching them at first and just hoping that they made good grades and got through, you know, and survived, you know, that sort of thing. But as I got more and more, uh, I guess, deeper into my career, I began to think leadership. And it's not the only thing in the world for sure, but it makes such a difference. And as I have developed young generations to think and act like authentic leaders, it has been a game changer for not only me, but for so many of them. In fact, let me illustrate real quick. Please do. You and I were just talking about this, and there was one particular student that does not live too far away. She's now graduated, but she went to a high school probably 20 minutes away from here. Her name is Alicia. She was a very active student leader as a senior in high school. Mm -hmm. Uh, She led clubs. In fact, she learned our habitudes well enough that she was using habitudes to mentor middle school students, so she was giving back to the you know kids that were four years younger than her, but she was also a student athlete. And okay. I add that because during her senior year, she was knocked down in a ball game and got a concussion, uh. rushed to the hospital. She was lying in a hospital bed unconscious. She'd been asleep and or just unconscious for several hours. So it was late into the night, probably midnight, maybe 1 a.m., Uh, her mother was standing right next to a nurse and they were talking and her mother happened to mention, gosh, I've been here for hours. I, I, I know I probably ought to get some rest myself. And Alicia woke up out of her sleep in the hospital bed, sat up, you know, tall and said, mom, you're being a starving baker. You're feeding everybody else, but you're not feeding yourself. You need to go to bed and I'll be fine. And she went back down. Alicia said, I've been, she said, I was told that story. I don't even remember it, but she said, I sat up and I quoted one of the habitudes. And I thought, well, that story's been, made it to her subconscious. Indeed it has. That is so funny. Yeah. You never know exactly what's sinking in and to what degree it is sinking in. That's so true. And she, like so many young leaders, has just an amazing amount of influence, right? Yeah. The things that she does, the things that she says has, have this influence. That happens for youth. The world over, yeah, right? It does. How many different movements have we seen that are led by youth, yeah. or how many different interesting moments in history, like the one that happened just Not, a few weeks ago, yeah. uh, with the whole thing with GameStop, right? Mm-hmm. A whole bunch of really young people uh, get together in an online forum, see that the you know the leaders in Wall Street, those people who are making tons and tons of money, have shorted the stock of GameStop, uh, thinking or planning for it to fail. Which, of course, if you know. GameStop's not doing that yeah, well financially yeah, right yeah. now, so it was almost guaranteed. Well, they decide they're going to write a different narrative, yeah. right? Bring a different truth. They start investing in it, and all of a sudden, the stock explodes. Yeah. Now, of course, it's not representative of how valuable GameStop really is, but what it did is it disrupted. And I yeah. find that that's what happens a whole lot when these youth have so much influence, they start to cause that sort of disruption. You're right. So the data show that Generation Z, this generation of young people that followed the millennials, they're not the millennials, um, two real looming pieces of of reality um, uh, rise to the surface. One is they have a high sense of empowerment and a high sense of entitlement. Mm. And actually both can be useful. Absolutely. So they feel empowered with that smartphone in their hand. They're asking Google questions they might have 
asked mom and dad 20, 30 years ago. Questions I asked my mom and dad, they're asking Siri. Yeah. But then the entitlement, they feel entitled like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. I'm going to wait for somebody else. And sometimes that entitlement may feel bad to, a, to an adult. It does to me. And, and, and yet we have it too. We feel entitled to things. Yep. But both of these, I think, are, are working on behalf of world change. I think transformation has begun to happen, whether we like it or not, because this generation feels this way. And I have given my life to student development because I want to make sure they lead in a, in a good way. Not a not a bad way. I love that. I love that. It's acknowledgement of of a truth that is uh, going to exist, whether or not we want it to. Which is they're going to influence the world in some way, right? Uh, acknowledging that truth and then saying we're going to step in yeah. and make sure that that influence heads in a positive direction. Yeah. So it's in times like these, Andrew. I'm reminded of why I do what I do. I'm about developing young people and specifically equipping them to think like life-giving leaders. That's a term we've begun to use, life-giving leaders. When they lead, they're not just transactional, but they're breathing life on those that are around them, whether it's a club or a team or an organization later, Alicia is now leading an organization. She's in her 20s, but she's now leading not a club at school, but an organization. So um, I just just have loved, during the COVID-19 pandemic season we've been in, hearing stories like like college students who are nursing majors that decided to start serving in the hospitals before they ever got their degree because they were needed. They didn't wait for the degree. Now, they're going to need to get it, but I love that. I remember the story of Liam. Mm -hmm. Remember that student at Yale University that we've told before that he was home, he sent home from school. His mom saw that he was kind of vegging a little bit too long in front of the screen and said, why don't you go help so-and-so? And there's an 85-year-old woman lived nearby that was too afraid to get out and really couldn't get out as yeah. an 85-year-old woman. Yeah. So he visited the grocery store, got her what she needed, you know, handed it to her at the door, stood six feet back, chatted with her a little bit. But as he walked away, he thought, I bet there's others like her that need my help. We found out there's tons of them. He ended up recruiting, I think it was 1,200, maybe 1,500. It was a ridiculous amount of volunteers his age to start serving those who were shut in. And I'm thinking, this is the kind of generation that I can get excited about and want to somehow put tools in their hands to do it even better. Absolutely. And for every story that you and I hear about or that we hear about at Growing Leaders, I I tend to believe there's five or six or 10 for every one we hear about of young people who are doing stuff just like that. Just two days ago, I spoke to Krista, a high school student who said, Dr. Tim, I wasn't doing well in March. Uh, The COVID thing started right during spring break, so I had nothing to do. I was going to go to the beach. Now I had nothing to go. But she said, the thing that changed me was I was watching TV, doing nothing, watching passively this TV show until I saw the hospital that was near our house that healthcare workers were working nonstop around the clock and not stopping for meals. Well, Krista said, it dawned on me, that's the hospital I was born in. Mm. And so she thought, I can't, I can't do nothing. And so she ended up starting this cool thing where she, ra- she rounded up a bunch of other student volunteers. She called restaurants and grocery stores for food that they had that was you know, left over. And she started putting meals together and delivering it to the hospital. She's 18. Didn't wait for an adult. She did it on her own. So listeners, I'm thinking, you're probably listening to this because you've got young people around you. Yes. Why not begin to think maybe they are the ones that could do that? Maybe we're the ones that throw water to them as they run their race, but they're going to run this race and and actually change the world. And and we're not just talking about they might do something in the future. 
We're yeah. talking about right now. Yeah, absolutely. The stories you just told are of students, people who haven't finished their degree, who don't know exactly what they want to do with their life. And I think part of it is a mindset of realizing uh, the station in life that they're in is not holding them back yeah. from you know, uh, executing on the dreams that they have or the ideas that they have. In fact, this is the sort of a key moment. And that's really what we're talking about today. What makes this a key moment yeah. in their life that even though you might look at them and go, they're not ready for yeah. whatever the idea they have, it's like, well, actually they are because this is the p- most perfect moment for them to go after it. Well, and you and I both have seen COVID-19 has just been an accelerator. If nothing else, it's been an accelerator. Uh, for instance, higher education they all knew they needed to do some more distance learning, remote learning. Well, yep. now we're forced to. Exactly. It's exce- well, it's also accelerated the development of young leaders. It's many of them got stuck emotionally or mentally, and they thought, I'm not waiting. I'm going yep. to do something. Yep. And I love that fact that they're saying, I'm not waiting. Let's do it. I love it. I love it. Well, what I'd like to do today, and I want you to just volley back and yeah, forth please. with me, Andrew, is I'd like to talk about how young influencers step up and why I believe the young not just the old, are in a position to really be the ones who change the world. I love this. So we've got six reasons why young people are at the perfect stage for us to develop as leaders. So you're probably already passionate about this listening right now. We want to help you get more so. That's right. right. That's what we're about. We want you to be fired up by the end of this podcast. That's okay. right. Six reasons so you can mentally file these away in your head. These are all really research-based. These are data-based, and we're going to share the science behind each one. But I'm hoping you're so convinced you go, I've got to go mentor somebody when this thing's done. Absolutely. All right. So reason number one, you've thought about this before, I'm sure, but here's what it is. Youth are developmentally ideal. They're developmentally ideal. So Mm. no, they don't have 40 years of experience, but watch this. Kids who are ages, let's say, 14 to 24 are mature enough to spot social injustices and yet young enough to act. Yes. I mean, I got to be honest. Right now, I watch something that needs to be done. When I see it on TV, I go, man... That's something needs to be done, but yeah. I'm too tired. You if know? only I didn't have a full-time job, I might do something about that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That. Yeah. So you and I have both seen students that between 14 and 24, they go, I'm going to do it. You know, I'm going to put my skateboard down and go do that. You know, yeah. and, and, and they have. So I love that during this time period, um, humans are in an ideal stage to test boundaries. Yes. That's what teenagers do. Mm-hmm. Question what they've assumed and, and try out new solutions. They're, they're not always strategic. Uh, but they occupy an idyllic spot to push for change. It's why so many movements down through history. Uh, uh, during my doctoral work, I remember studying movement after movement, and usually at the root, there was a you know a young twenty-something or maybe even a teenager that played an, a, a huge role. So, youth are developmentally. Ideal. I love this because this is the same thing that frustrates parents of teenagers, yeah. right? They keep testing and pushing boundaries, yeah. and it's like, well, actually, there's a reason they do that. This is the perfect moment in time for them to do that. It's about figuring out what boundaries would be best for them to, right. to push and test. And that's it's really about, like we've talked about, it's about funneling this moment where they're at and channeling it towards yeah. them working for something good. Andrew, my theory is, and I'll make this brief, but my theory is... Because by the teenage years, youth just biologically are ready to do something significant. And 100 years ago, they were doing something. They were working a full-time job, maybe getting married at 19, you know, responsibility. Well, now there's apps available like Instagram or Snapchat or TikTok, and and that's they're all fine, but I think it's, it's in them to be so much more than somebody gets lost on Instagram. Yes. So the reason they might 
take a skateboard off a cliff, it be, and that's rather stupid, actually. They want to spread their wings. They want to do something. We need to channel them in a, in a way that does something constructive, redemptive, and educational. Absolutely. I love it. Good. I love it. So the second reason, Andrew, that I think young people are in an ideal stage to do something is youth are neurologically ready. So we've known for years that the adolescent brain is not fully formed, right? Yeah. Uh, the portion that calculates the rewards for risk develops much faster than the prefront, uh, prefrontal cortex, which calculates the consequences for those risks, which is why they take the skateboard off, you know, whatever. Yes, absolutely. So we think, this would be cool. My friends are watching. Dive! You know? Yeah. But, but, but that other part of their brain that, you know, helps them... Ca- no, wait. Now that might not be wise. We've got that developed. That's why we're not doing any wild things right now. Yes. So think about this. At first, neuroscientists concluded this merely produces risky behavior, like the male teen that does something stupid with a skateboard. However, the data shows that much of what looks like adolescence impulsivity is behavior that's guided by the desire to learn about the world. They're curious. Yes. Uh, you all see this. Whoever you are, as a parent, teacher, coach, employer, they're curious. They want to try things. And the worst thing we can do is just confine them and say, no, just read about it. Or no, just watch a video. Yes. They may need to do that, but there's so much more available. Um, We now know that the teen brain is curious and attempts new ventures more rapidly than older older people do, which is why I made that joke earlier. I really do want to still change the world at my age. I'm just tired. Yeah. (laughs) It's funny, though, because it's exactly true, you know? And it's funny that we're talking about this. My my mom is, like, running through my brain right now because she told me all the time when I was a teenager, your brain's not developed yet. That's why you just made that dumb decision. But it is true, right? If if I have an inclination now in in my 30s to say, you know what? I should learn more about that. I'll go find a documentary, you know, or a YouTube video. And I think the more we restrict them from... From making those big discovery things, right. we're actually holding them back, and that's—it's yeah. it's funny. It's, I'm having a see, mom, I told you moment because yeah. realistically, I think there's uh, there's some meaning in the fact yeah. that our brains develop the way that they do because it creates the space for us to learn and push ourselves and grow and have great experiences and all the things that I think are really good about yeah. that season of life. I agree. I agree. So, reason number three. Let's jump in. The third reason is youth are biographically. Available. Mm-hmm. They're biographically available. Now, let me tell you what I mean by this. They're not encumbered by responsibilities of family and finances to tie them down. They probably don't have a mortgage payment at 17 years old. Yep. So when I was in college, I made some bold moves, attempting a few audacious goals. I've told you about them before, just wild things that I probably wouldn't have tried 25 years into, into my marriage or whatever. Um, I never once thought twice about it. It was just, let's try that. Let's do it, you know? Well, once I got married, it was a different... Now I had the responsibility of a, of a bride and, and then children and, and other things. So um, it's not that I don't still want to do great things, but now I've got many reasons, legitimate ones, for not. Um, back then I had very little to lose. Now I feel like I've got a lot to lose. So um, all I'm simply saying is sometimes the young are perfect because they're not yet encumbered by all the stuff that's got us tied down. It's so true. It's so true. And one of the things I noticed about my own life is I don't think I knew that when I was 17 and 18 years old. And so part of what this may be is uh, us reminding them, hey, you're at a really important moment in your life that you're not going to probably get back. Mm -hmm. There will become a moment where your responsibilities take over and you're not able to make decisions like this. So I I think it's a good, healthy thing to remind them of. Yeah, it is for sure. All right, um, number four. Let's do it. The fourth reason is youth are informationally prepared. 
So you just alluded to this earlier, Andrew. Uh, in school, they learn about societal issues and want to respond beyond taking some exam and circling letter C on the multiple choice test. Uh, one of the challenges of being a student today is that they are indeed overexposed to information earlier than they've ever been. So a kid, if he's got a smartphone in, in middle school, he or she's learning about all kinds of things. Now, sometimes that information comes too early. Their, their emotions aren't even ready. But because they're, inform they're informed so early, they might be thinking at an earlier stage about what could be done about this. Um, you and I have read about teens like Greta that did this climate change thing. And yeah. you and I both conceded. It's, of course, it's very controversial what she's doing and the way she's strategizing to do it. But the point is, she didn't wait until she was 35 or 40 to get involved. And, and she's actually swayed some of the voting in many European countries Absolutely. because of her willingness to step in. So I just think it's huge that they're, they're, phys they're, they're ready enough to do something, and they've, been, they've gotten informed. Absolutely. Way more informed than when I was 13. Exactly. And that's what I'm, I would say is I think Greta probably would have been the same passionate young lady that she is even 30 or 40 yeah. years ago, but she would not have been as informed. Yeah. Yeah. And her influence may not have spread quite as far. It's the world that she grew up in that both informed her and created the opportunity for her to have even more influence. Andrew, I'm joking right now, but you've heard me say this before. When I was in middle school, the problems I was trying to solve, where's my baseball mitt and how do I find a girlfriend? I wasn't trying to change the world. <laughs> where's my baseball mitt? Well, now they've got information they want to do something about. We Absolutely. need to let them do it. Absolutely. All right, number five. The fifth reason out of six is... Youth are intellectually unfettered. Mm. Now, this is a different one. It's close to the others, but hang with me. Kids are not bound by established paradigms. As we get older, we get filing cabinets in our brain, and we file things away. It's how we remember. It's the only way we remember these days, mm -hmm. that I remember these days. But they don't have that fetter yet. They don't have that... Um, in some cases, it's bad. In some cases, it's good. But they don't have the limitations that we have, the paradigms we've constructed that we experience adults you know, you know, have, have garnered over the years. So as we age, our library of mental paradigms is set, often in concrete. Yes. Um, we formed our views of the world and how it works. We frequently become more jaded and cynical. Sometimes that happens. We say things like, we tried that before and it didn't work, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. Well, teens just... You know, they just don't say that. Uh, they're, they're not bound by our paradigms, and they can solve problems by seeing possibilities that we're uh, unable to see later. Absolutely, because what you're not thinking about is the fact that we did try that, and it didn't work, but that was 30 years ago, yeah, you know? Yeah, that's right. And maybe it would work today because we've got a new technology, our new yeah. way of approaching it. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it, that's exactly correct. I love that. So the last one I, I have here, reason number six, why youth are just in such a great position to really be a leader and to do something is... Youth are dispositionally hopeful. Mm. So there are skeptical teens, no doubt. And there are certain temperaments, regardless of the age, they're going to be cynical, exactly, jaded, yeah. skeptical. But because of the early life station they're in, they tend to be more hopeful. In fact, the data shows this. Let me just look at this real quick with you. Um, so I mentioned this briefly before, but when we're young, idealism and optimism begin to peak. Mm. Uh, kids believe they can make change. Studies actually show that optimism reaches its peak in our younger years and begins to decline over time as we age. Interesting. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. So it may explain why children believe in Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny. And we go, ah, I stopped believing that when I was, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, so it also explains why kids ask questions about why social injustices exist and why organizations endure dysfunctions. Uh, the teenage disposition... While it can be apathetic, 
can also be empathetic. It's true. Uh, and passionate when developed well by parents, teachers, coaches, and employers. So I, I'm simply saying there are opportunities for them to go either way. Yes. They could go down and, and, and have accidents and make mistakes and get cynical and all that stuff can happen, and it has happened. Yeah. But there's also this opportunity if we lead them well and we create the right narrative inside of them that they could actually do some things with the gifts they have that could actually make change. Absolutely. A great way to say that, honestly, is that I'm thinking of right now is I think the average adult asks, why should we do that? I think yeah. the average teenager asks, why not yeah. do that? You know, yeah. And that's where that dispositional, hopeful attitude comes from. It's not that they're happy-go-lucky all the time. It's that they have this sort of belief that yeah. anything's possible in the yeah. future because I can you know, sort of make the future I'm, I'm dreaming about right now. I actually believe this is a paradox in leadership. We need to have vision, but oftentimes we actually need some blind spots. Yeah. That, that would keep us... You know, how many times does somebody say, oh, I wouldn't, if I would have known now, what I knew, I'd never try that. But they did it. Yeah. You know? And it made the world a better place because they <laughs> did, right. you know? Well, kids have all kinds of blind spots, and that's why they're changing the world. Yeah. It's the whole idea of the bumblebee. You know, the research on the bumblebee is it's impossible for a bumblebee to fly. The deal is, though, they don't read those books. They, they fly. Yeah. Right? <laughs> they just do it anyway. So um, in August of 2018, I love this, uh, 20-year-old Matt Deesh and 18-year-old Emma Gonzalez appeared on The Daily Show uh, with Trevor Noah. Uh, they were discussing on this show the Road to Change summer tour. These kids were, uh, were not only a part of, they were leading. Uh, they coordinated it alongside the March for Our Lives. You remember that back yes. in um, 2018? Uh, student activist. As the interview um, came to a close, Trevor Noah could see that these young people were, were better informed about the issues and more immersed in policy than many politicians were. Yeah. Uh, and so he said to these two, these two young interviewees, you know, you guys have the right to be kids, right? Yeah. And Matt responded, this 20-year-old said, I know you want us to be kids, but we have more important things to do. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. And so I'm just thinking, I do, I do see both sides. Some of you are parents listening, and you might go, I've got a seven-year-old, and you need to let that seven-year-old be a seven-year-old. Let them, let them play. Absolutely. So they're ready to be adults when it's time. Mm-hmm. But I'm telling you, I think teens are more ready to be adults if we'll foster this kind of mindset than we think they are. Absolutely, so, yeah. absolutely. Uh, I I love all the things that you share with us, and it's about the mindset, right? We we can look at this generation with one of two sets of glasses, yeah, right? Yeah. One that says, "Ma, they're too young for that," or one that says, "You know what? They're too young." To really realize the things that might hold them That's back. That's right. Yeah. Uh, and I think if we choose that mindset, even the frustrating things mm-hmm. we can see in a different light. So I love this. So, Andrew, years ago, uh, I'll kind of close with this. Years ago, I was asked to speak in Barbados, so south of where, where I live. It was beautiful down there. But I was teaching business leaders and educational leaders. Okay. Mostly the audience was in suits and ties and skirts and blouses, mm-hmm. except for one attendee who was younger. I think he was probably, I don't know, 19 years old. And he sat in front dressed down. I mean, he had a tank top and shorts and flip-flops and tats all over. You could tell there was a different story Yeah, a little different, yeah. Yeah. So I thought, boy, I want to meet this guy because one of these things is not like the other. Yeah. So during the break, I went down and said hi to him. And I could tell he was a teenager just by the way he talked. But when I asked him, why are you here at this leadership conference? He said, well, I want to learn to lead and I want to teach leadership myself. And I said, you do? To who? And you know what he said? He said, well, I came out of a gang, mm-hmm. uh, and, and it was the Bloods. They, they have them down in Barbados. And he said, I 
at my age have gotten out, and I realized what a wrong move that was. There's 14-year-olds still in that gang. They're leaders, I can tell. And I want to make sure they lead something right, mm. uh, not something wrong. So I'm going to go back and, and teach them. And I thought, this is what it needs to be about. The next generation teaching the next generation. Absolutely. And seeing what some people might see as a kid who cannot be saved, you <laughs> yeah, know, more right. or less. Yeah. Uh, instead, he sees as uh, an opportunity, not just for himself, but for giving back to yeah, others. Yeah. I feel like only young people have the ability to think quite like that. Yep. May we lead them really well, right? Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for your insights, Tim. I know uh, everyone out there, you're thinking about how do we develop these young people after we recognize what their potential is, how do we develop them? Well, we're really big believers in developing um, young people, not just with uh, big flashy events or, or anything like that, but with a process, a series of ongoing conversations about topics that matter that help them grow in their leadership and begin to exercise their potential. And we do that through a tool we call Habitudes. You've probably heard us talk about it before, but Habitudes are simply images that form leadership habits and attitudes. And our most popular course of Habitudes is called Habitudes for Social and Emotional Learning, teaching these really practical life skills that we know every young person needs. So if you want to find out more information about it and actually get a free sample, go on over to, over to growingleaders.com slash SEL. You could try it out for free. Use our online platform, Habitudes Online. It's a really cool program with all kinds of cool tools and other things that you can use. We'd love for you to check that out. Go on over to growingleaders.com slash S-E-L. Well, as always, if you would rate this podcast, that gets the word out about what we're doing here. Uh, give us five stars and other people will see it. And we'd really appreciate that. If you found this helpful, feel free to pass it along to a friend who you think uh, might uh, might I- improve themselves by, uh, by listening. Uh, if you want to connect with us online, we're at Growing Leaders and at Tim Elmore pretty much everywhere you are. And then lastly, if you've got ideas for this podcast, subjects you want us to talk about or people you want us to interview, shoot us an email. It's podcast at growingleaders.com. We love getting those. Tim, thank you so much for committing your life to this really important mission. Thank you guys for empowering and leading the next generation. And we'll see you next time. Woo!